Let's do it on a tabletop. Today on... Everybody, hi. Welcome back to Press B to Cancel. My name, not important today, but it's Guy Prime. And uh, I am joined by my good friends, Sinistar77. Uh, I, I never know, should I mention the numbers or can I just say Sinistar? Hey, I take it both ways. In our most intimate moments, I don't add the numbers or include the numbers. I just, right. you know, the god given Only when Sinistar. you're talking dirty to me, do you give me the 77? Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm. <laughs> hi. We should really just restart. Do we need to cut the feed? <laughs> I'm doing this over again. <laughs> no, no, this is gold or some other it, sort of well, precious metal. It's something, yeah. <laughs> Sinistar, how are you doing today? I'm well. How are you, sir? Doing well, thank you. And I'm joined by Six J, uh, Six Jake, <laughs> Six Jake Forty Nine. Sex Jake, that's me. Thanks, GP. Sex- I'm I'm just glad to be here as always. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so good to see everybody. Uh, we are today talking about tabletop RPGs, uh, not video games, for the first time in the past, I think, 98 episodes or so. Uh, I think all three of us are pretty passionate about tabletop RPGs. We each have our own history and our own take on the subject. Before we get to that, though, I do want to, um, just as a fun aside, I had this idea, uh, not today because I don't wing stuff. I thoroughly think this out. But I uh, have decided whenever we don't have the full day is here, when we don't have all five of us, uh, but I'm included in uh, however many, I will be playing a game in which casually, I don't want to force it, but casually I will be mentioning as many 80s uh, rock bands as possible, just in in, in passing. I, I Again, I'm not going to force it. Uh, this is an idea that came to me during during a journey. When I was flying with the Eagles, uh, with my friend Billy and Joel, uh, Billy was a queen, and one of my uh, no, I can't use Fleetwood Mac. Hold on, <laughs> <laughs> he was a deaf leopard. Okay, anyway. Oh so no, I just had a joke come up in my head that's horrible. I don't know that I want it to. Well, it has nine arms and sucks. Uh, I, okay, I know the answer, but I'm not going to say it. Jake, do you know the answer? <laughs> I I'm going to pass on that one. Yeah, Def Leppard. Hey, I love Def Leppard. <laughs> so let's uh, let's move on. Anyway, I just thought everybody should know the genesis of the idea. So yeah, yeah. let's uh, let's keep it going. Uh, okay, tabletop let's, RPG. Let's fill in the columns here. Let's go. I love that. I love that. Uh, and so do my friends, both Peter and Gabriel. Without further ado, before we start the episode, uh, a little bit more ado, let's have a disclaimer. Sinistar. Yeah, so uh, a lot of stuff, uh, okay, let's go back to a week ago when we're trying to figure out what we were going to be talking about today. And uh, Jake and and, uh, um, GP and I have kind of always wanted to talk about tabletop games. Uh, And so we, we decided to talk about tabletop games. And then a document was leaked and because it's a leaked document and there's no confirmation, we, everything that we are going to talk about here with Hasbro slash wizards of the coast slash the open game license is opinion. 
And uh, I feel like we need to call it out because um, I, I feel like there's, there's a potential here for slander. So it's all opinion. Yeah. Thank you. For yeah. That. I mean, we're not experts on this material. We're just three schlubs who talk about video games once a week. And now just for today, tabletop games. And it's, yeah, just, that's just yep. what it is. But we're not the only ones talking about this. Believe me, this week has been just, just an, not to use a swear, but a crap show across the online uh, community of tabletop role-playing games as they just hear about this this i don't know how you want to explain it maybe i'll let you explain it sinistar but what a blunder this is on wizards of the coast and hasbro yeah so um let's talk a little bit about history so um uh tsr uh uh, back in i think 99 sold to 98 or 99 sold to wizards of the coast and um, when Wizards of the Coast purchased them, they were acquired shortly after by Hasbro. And in the middle of this whole um, purchase uh, and all of those things, um, TSR slash D&D was coming up with the new rule set, which was D&D 3rd Edition. And as part of 3rd Edition, they came up with a rule system called the D20 Roll System. And they wanted to make it so that the community at large could actually um enhance and provide additional benefits and 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 modules and stuff so they they created what's called the open game license and the open game license basically said um you can use our rules you know there's some there's some specifics here but basically you have a license to produce a product that uses the d20 system for your own for your own product um and we saw uh you know they released 3.5 shortly after and then with fourth edition we saw an actual like fracture but because of the OGL license, Pathfinder continued. Pathfinder came out of it, and Pathfinder was able to use the D20 system. Uh, we have a couple other players, large players, Cobalt Press. Um, I'm sure that there are others, but uh, I mean, there are modules plenty that use the D20 yeah. system. And then what I was so, reading up on it, the way that some people explained it was, at the time, Wizards wanted to focus on the content and books that would make the most money, right? Mm. Every player is going to buy a player's guide and maybe the class options and whatnot. But the only people buying the adventure modules were DMs and not even that many DMs. So for them, by having the OGL and having third parties make those adventures, which are expensive to make and graphics and design and write, and it's only being sold to a smaller audience, let them do it. Because all it means for Wizards is more people are playing D&D, which is what they wanted at the time, right? And and in all honesty, now fourth edition aside, through third edition, three point five, and fifth edition, uh, I I think each one had an uptick in the quantity of players. The amount yeah, of people that huge. play fifth edition is huge. Like I mean, it's all over YouTube. Critical Role, everybody else, yeah. you know. Um, I see Twitch streams all the time that are you know live D and D sessions. Um, I mean, this really is, is kind of the, you know, the cash cow that, that, you know, was born out of this. Right. Um, yeah. Brought- and like you have the, the pandemic as well, brought a, an even further bump in numbers as people started doing this online. Right. I think most people who play D and D these days have at least done a handful of games at the very least on roll 20 or other virtual tabletops. Yes. I know that's what I was doing for the longest while. And it kind of gave you a chance to play that, uh, the very social experience with your friends online now. And that's, that for D&D today is huge money, potentially, yeah. for something like Hasbro. Now, that said, I, I think we should, you know, when we originally wanted to talk about this, we actually wanted to talk about the gaming, right? We wanted mm-hmm. to talk about the product themselves. So, you know, maybe we can talk about that for a little while, and then we can talk about what's going on with the change, the proposed changes 
the tentative, the leaked proposed changes anyway. But um, yeah, so um, if you're okay, I'm going to talk about a little bit of my history with role-playing games. Before you do, I have a quick yeah. question about the fifth edition thing. Mm-hmm. Um, are there plans or have there been any announcements or anything for a new edition? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so I think the next edition, um, and maybe it's already, anyway, I know that I saw uh, as part of this leaked document that they that they were potentially going to release the new rule set with this new OGL version. Um, uh, there have been some changes and this might be what I'm thinking of. Like they've done some inclusion changes, some, some removed some, you know, unfortunate, um, uh, phrasing and, you know, names and stuff like that. Um, as I think they should. Um, and I think that might be 5.1, although 5.1 may be, may be coming out in the future. So, gotcha. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry. Let's get back to it. Uh, yes. Tell us your history and let's dive right. in. So, uh, I was, I was a child in the eighties. So I was, uh, I was around when there was all of the, um, uh, what do they call it? The, the D and D like the, the Satan, you know, worry. The, oh. <laughs> satanic um, panic. Yeah. The satanic yeah. panic. Thank satanic you. Panic. Yeah. Yes. And funny enough, I think, I think that might've been what intrigued me. <laughs> not, not, not like from a standpoint of like, you know, oh, I want to be evil and I want to do the the wrong things, right? But more, there's a there's a game where you play with your friends and you can base, you know, do your own adventures. And it kind of came out of those those uh, those what do they call the the documents that that guy created anyway? Um, Satanic panic. Well, no, but there was like the, uh, anyway. It's fine. Oh, Chick Tracks. Are you talking about the comics? Thank you. The Chick Tracks. The religious comics, Uh yes, where he slandered, he hated Uh (laughs) D&D and talk about quaffing potions as leading to the devil worship. It's, those are funny for all the wrong reasons. I love those things. (laughs) Yes. So I think that that kind of intrigued me. And then come junior high, uh, I met, I met a friend whose dad played Dungeons and Dragons. And that's how you you know know it's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like my kids are into Dungeons and Dragons because I played it, right? Um, yeah. But uh, you know, I went over to his house one day, and out on the table were these hexagonal maps, and I was like, "What is this? This is cool." And you know, he said D and D, and I was like, "Oh, I've heard of that. <laughs> That's the <laughs> satanic shit." Um, <laughs> no, so his dad was cool and basically let us, you know, use his rule books and use his modules and everything, and we spent you know, countless hours in the basement. This was, this was AD&D. So this was technically, I guess, second edition AD&D. Right. Um, and then, um, you know, at that point I kind of started branching out because I love fantasy and I love that, um, well, Dungeons and Dragons and Warriors and Barbarians and stuff, but I also have a real interest in well, cyberpunk. I mean, I was I was the guest on the cyberpunk episode, right? And so mm-hmm. I found this uh, this game called Shadowrun, right? And this was early high school now, and it was it was it was great. It tickled all of the you know or itched all of the the spots that were you know wanted that cyberpunk plus magic, right? I mean, it had all of those kinds of things. Um, and then you know as I as I met other friends, we started playing D and D again. So I kind of came back around to D and D this was three, 3.5 edition 
era. They went to fourth edition, played the hell out of fourth edition. I still, I bet you I have my books somewhere, but I, I won't put them on the shelf because anyway. <laughs> um, but I played the hell out of it. And um, Sinstress actually played for a long time with us. We used to go over to uh, a family that we were friends with and their kids and our kids and, and some of the adults would play. Um, and then I realized that it was really just a board game in book form versus like kind of that imagination like it really drove like the miniatures where i love the kind of D where i don't necessarily have to have a map you can actually imagine it in your head um and so fifth edition came back or get, brought that back um and so i've played fifth edition since it came out uh i have you know i'm gonna i'm gonna bingo everybody i have this i have i have the the um ravenloft module right here um and i have a, a rush album sir yeah uh, <laughs> so those playing the home game and listening in the audio version since our point is shelf so please mark that on your bingo card <laughs> yes um and then i have a backpack with all of the kind of the additional you know module books um that's probably 60 pounds of books I mean, I have you spent, probably spent thousands of dollars. Hundred, thousands, yeah. I probably am over. I'm over a thousand dollars at least. Wow. So, okay. Not to mention, you know, dice. Like I'll, I have my metal dice and my dice rolling. You know, oh, yeah. tray right here. And odds know. are, if you play D and D, you probably have a bag of dice somewhere in your collection. I, I think yeah. I, I do as and well. And no retirement plan. <laughs> yes <laughs> other than to just continue to play D D in retirement oh my retirement plan is another wizards of the coast project called magic the gathering Damn i have a whole bunch of those cards MTG. yeah right. <laughs> so um but yeah the role-playing game i love i love getting together with friends um i love uh you know the camaraderie of it you know drink gallons hundreds of gallons of mountain dew you know um eight <laughs> Cheetos upon Cheetos upon Cheetos, you know. Yeah. You can buy Mountain Dew in gallons. I love that. I've I've had enough that we're probably <laughs> that talking <YouTuber>. drums. <laughs> drums. I yep. love that. Very good. How about you, Jake? Yeah. Where where did your uh D obsession start? Yeah, honestly, not much different than Sinistar. I started in elementary school. I played AD second ed. I don't think I understood a damn mechanic in that book, though. Trying to understand how you hit something in that Thacko nonsense, but I was into it because it's mostly my way to socialize with friends, which as an awkward kid in school, didn't have a lot of that. So that was my social outlet when I was really young. And then in high school, in fact, all throughout high school, yeah, we played a lot of third edition. We also branched out though in other other games like uh, Rifts and Palladium games mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. a lot of uh, Battletech and stuff. And for a while, we were actually into because D20 was so easy to mess around with and add to, we did a lot of our homebrew stuff, right? Custom classes and spells, all of which not balanced, not tested, but we did it anyway because <laughs> it was fun, right? And it was easy to do. The D20 system was so easy to understand and it was used in multiple games at the time. Like I played the Star Wars, Star Wars version for a while mm -hmm. and it just is adapted in so many different ways. It's so easy to use. I mean, even video games like Kotar, like Knights of the Republic, is one of my favorite RPGs, uses the D20 system. I love the hell of the D20. Yeah, so it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So I did that, and then I stopped playing for a decade, I think. It wasn't, I didn't even bother with 4th edition. I read the 
reviews and I saw the mechanics. I didn't like the direction they're going with it. I never played with miniatures in D&D. For me, if I want to play with miniatures, it was Battletech. It was like those strategy games, sure, tabletop sure. games. Role-playing games, it was imagination. That's That was my goal. So I didn't play until 5th edition came out. And, you know, I'm a much older adult with kids. And, uh, yeah, I played with coworkers. We used to do a regular game. And, and it's the first time I've done a D&D campaign. And we made it from levels 1 through 20. It took multiple years, but we did it. Yep. And that's the first time. It was under 5th edition. And 5th edition took everything I loved about 3rd and made it even better and more easy to run and more streamlined. And I'll mention this later on the episode, but the, the thing about 5th edition that stuck with me is when I was running the game, because nobody wants to be DM, so I ended up doing it, <laughs> is it allowed me to be a better bullshitter. I can mm -hmm. make stuff up on the fly. And that was always the critical thing as a DM. How can I run the game that my players will like and be fun without getting into the math? I was never a Pathfinder guy. I respect the hell to Pathfinder and Paizo, but there's just too much going on in that system, and I don't have time to memorize a book. Uh, fifth edition let me do my own thing, and I could run a fun game out of my head and i loved it for right. that right. and then i guess we had what's going on this week and it's been a total mood killer on behalf yeah. of hasbro so yeah i guess we can transition into that um so uh for those that are unaware so we talked about the open game license technically the the revision that is used by basically everything to this point is 1.0a uh, the version that was leaked, a leaked document called it 1.1. And basically, they, uh, they realized that other people were making money, but, yeah. but, but they basically said, hey, yeah, we're an 11 billion, whatever billion dollar company per year. And now we want a piece of your pie, even though we've been a, a uh, happy participant you've actually driven you know uh value back to us by producing these these items now we want a piece of your pie yeah. um and and like and oh go ahead and like they're looking at things like protecting their more of their mechanics and their ip and their, and their copyright materials looking at cutting into the businesses that started off of their ogl like like pathfinder i think it was mm -hmm. The leaked document said something, if you make as a company more than $750,000, they want 20% or something obscene. Yeah. But basically explicitly going out of the way to go after the bigger players that make content for the system. And like they were silent all week while the community was in an uproar. And they only announced today why they were talking about changing. They're trying to backpedal a little bit on the changes yeah. that were mentioned. But the three reasons they gave, one is they were trying to protect D, D and their property for being used by people who would be would do uh you know uh what do you call it? racist bigotry that kind of thing which okay two they were trying to avoid D, &D being scooped up into web 3.0 and nfts and crypto and and whatnot and then the third one was they said the intention ogl was never for it to be used as a basis for businesses to compete with D, &D. All three of those are bullshit. Like, yes, okay. Yeah. The, the bigotry and the racism thing, just real quick. I got been pent up all day <laughs> with the stupid Please, issue. Please, but the bigotry okay. and the I'll racism. Some like, water. It's just like you don't need to change your legal agreement or your open gaming license to stop hatred or D, &D being used for hatred. If anybody makes a book 
or a podcast or a live stream that's using D&D for hate, you can still go after them legally as a company if you want to. The community will also tear that thing down pretty damn yes. quick. I mean, anytime there's been any like homophobia <laughs> or bad actors in the space, they've been taken down pretty quickly in terms of being shut down. So that was one is nonsense. Two, who the hell who you're okay, you're against NFTs, Hasbro. Really? I mean, that's great. I don't want to see that either. But you can't tell me Papa Hasbro has not looked at the concept of NFTs and said, hmm, maybe we can get on that if we, if people would go, well, back us behind it. You don't think they wouldn't want to jump on the NFT train with Magic the Gathering? Fuck yeah, they are going to. I'm glad they're not, they're saying they're not going to. But this feels like such an excuse. Go ahead. Can I, can I interject at this point? Because they have an intellectual property system called Magic the Gathering. You just mentioned it. Yeah. That is essentially physical NFTs, right? Which I'm actually okay with because if I can own something that gains value and 30 years down the road, if I've kept it in good condition, it's still mine, which I don't think anything digital will be, right? I yeah. don't trust that. But if I have something physical 30 years down the road that I can turn around and sell, that's fine. That's fine. They already have an NFT system. That's a good version of NFTs, yeah. right? And for them, for them to turn around and say that, oh, we're, we're changing the OGL because we want to avoid crypto. That's nonsense. And the third reason, saying that they don't basically don't like the idea of the OGL being used by other companies and becoming like these family businesses that compete with them. It's been 20 years, 20 years. We've had Paizo, we've Cobalt Press, we have MCDM. There's so many companies that have been built off of this and you're saying 20 years later you didn't agree you didn't want this to happen originally that come on man like everything yeah. they said in their statement today was total backpedaling and damage control and it just frustrates me because they hasbro and wizards they're the same company at this point they have been for a while but they've been doing this and then also with magic the gathering a few months back with the 30th anniversary edition which is supposed to be something to celebrate magic for the fans and they're like a thousand dollars for this this right. pack of six randomized boosters. Right. It's not for the fans. It's not for the community. I don't even know if it's for collectors. Anyway, everything that they've been doing with their properties has been pure greed and just giving the middle finger to the community that built up these hobbies into what they are today. They would not exist as a company without the fans and what they've been doing. It's it's just so insulting and so frustrating as a fan of this stuff. But anyway. I feel like Gary Gygax is rolling over in his grave. Honestly. Ooh. Like it's wild. This this guy was photocopying books from the beginning to like get people interested and to play his games, right? Like this guy just wanted people to play games with, right? Like, can you imagine yeah. if you said, Gary, we're gonna have an online system called D Beyond where players are gonna pay a monthly subscription for content? Can you imagine what he would think about that? Like Right. It's, I didn't even know that was a thing until this week. Uh, really, people are paying for D D Beyond. You're paying for that. <laughs> like okay it's, yeah it's wild anyway i don't we, we shouldn't talk the whole episode about this sinistar um but the ogl changes total ass Some, i think Bad something look. something interesting that i think is is i actually something that i appreciate that's come out of this right because who knows hasbro may entirely backpedal and say we're not releasing a new ogl right they could entirely but the problem is is they have lost the trust at this point yeah. right and 
And so what I what I love is like Cobalt Press put out a video because their servers were getting smashed <laughs> because people wanted to get information on this. But they put out a video saying, hey, you know, we have some stuff that we're working on now. We're going to release that under OGL, but we're actually going to create our own new system. And on top of that, we're actually, we're, we're putting into the writing that this can't be owned. Like this, this, le- yeah. this, this agreement or this license can't be owned. And they are, I love this because I'm, I'm a, I'm a Linux guy for, you know, 20 something years, right? They're actually looking at groups like the Linux foundation to maybe own this license. Oh, this is Paizo. Yes. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Paizo. Yeah. I yeah. love this concept. Like this to me is yeah. great. Well, they've you said know? they're putting this in the trust of a law firm for now until a until a nonprofit can be set up to manage it. And like, so that that's exactly what they said. They, we don't own it. Nobody's going to own it. It's going to be a yeah. pure open license like it was meant to be in the beginning. Yeah. A couple of the guys that work for Paizo, that run Paizo, used to work at Wizards when OGL was first crafted. So mm-hmm. they they know what the, the intent was. And they're trying to right. make good on that, which is... This is the day when tabletop RPGs fracture into a dozen different yeah. products. And yeah. you now have what I mean, you always had choice. Now you have so much more choice going forward. Right. You don't need to play DD anymore, at least not exclusively. So oh go ahead. No, I just it kind of comes down to two of the main uh nerd influences from my childhood. Well, what do we want to see more of? Willy Wonka style leadership or James Halliday? Uh, Ready Player One, the Oasis mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, both similar. Okay, I'm dying. I'm going to give it away. But leading up to that, like we're at a very interesting fork in the road here. You know, with with everything that's going on with all of the major uh, multi billion dollar things out there with right. technology and gaming and information exchange. Do we want everything coalescing, or do we like the branches? I kind of go branches. I like, I like a mixed market. Like, I think, I think you do need some big players to, to keep the market going, right? Like one of the concerns that I have with fracturing to a point is does role-playing game, uh, you know, systems go back into a level of, of obscurity. Like one of the things that D and D has done is great publicity. Mm -hmm. Who, who doesn't know D&D these days, right? Like right, you right. can talk to a jock about D&D. You can talk to a nerd about D&D, right? And and so my concern with with more options is um you know, I remember you talked about Palladium games, right? Like I love Rifts. I loved yep. all of those, right? But the problem is is there was a large amount of fracturing during that time period and we ended up having very few players fall out of it because it was so fractured, right? And so I worry that we're going to see that again. So yeah, and there's costs involved too of like how many of these games do you want to get invested in? Because some of these can be quite sizable and how much money you spend. I had a number of Rifts books. Looking back, I wish I did not spend so much money on Rifts because it's a game that nobody plays these days. I actually have our hardcover anniversary edition of Rifts. And I thought, oh, it's in mint condition. I wonder if this is worth any money. It's like worth like 40 bucks. I think that's less than what I paid for it back in the night. Probably. <laughs> so, Probably. So, but at least with the fracturing, you have more choice. Mm-hmm. And the idea of tabletop gaming and fifth edition helps spear this. Again, 
the less on the crunch of the rules and more in the power of the hands of the players and the DM to tell the story. And there's a lot more games these days that that do that more streamlined and a little bit more rules light, which I like. We right. didn't have that before. The rule systems aren't as complicated mm -hmm. as they used to be, right? Trying to explain rifts and AD&D uh, second edition to somebody, they're probably going to learn one, not both. And and right. that's not as much of an issue these days. Right. But okay, if you look at the, the, the machines that are kind of spurring some of the growth here, you have kind of two different things. And it, it's a really interesting time to be alive, like the macro of this. Uh, but one of the main fuels in the fire is nostalgia. You have these mm -hmm. people who have grown up and played, you know, D&D &D and these types of games their whole life who continue to do so. And then you have some people who grew up playing it, took time away because they had to refocus on life or become adults and various things who are now because of nostalgia and things being celebrated from the 80s or, or referenced constantly, whether it's music, you know, um, pop culture things nowadays, like Stranger Things, you know, that just in their right. fourth season did the yeah. whole D&D satanic panic. I mean, they, they referenced D&D as a cornerstone of friendship from the 80s and all that kind of stuff. So you have those two things fueling them. But then you also add things like these kids who grew up playing this, these games taught them how to think strategically. Oh, yeah. And so now that they're adults and capable, they're like, I can put my own spin on this and do a Kickstarter. The amount of money that we've sunk into yeah. Kickstarter, even today, and this is something that my wife got me for a Father's Day present like a year and a half ago. Uh, today it came in the mail and it's Avatar Legends, which is a D&D-esque mm. sort of thing based in the Avatar The Last Airbender uh, world, which I am a huge fan of. So I can't yeah. wait to, I mean, I, 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 I almost called in sick to work today you know, the <laughs> podcast to, to play this. But I'm so excited because I've got all these things to look at and all these new dice and all these new books. And so, I mean, there's, it's really kind of this perfect storm uh, that I don't know will be here in 10 years, uh, yeah. but between still coming up with new things, and I know we'll talk about Hero Quest later, the nostalgia, having, right. you know, fundraisers right. and crowdfunding to, to reissue. I, I don't know. It's just, it is this, and then all the COVID stuff. It really, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting time for this. And I know that was all the words and pr I probably won't say anything for the rest of the podcast, but no, I mean, think about it. There's no I, I way gotta to say, GP, what a coincidence right this is though. So you just mentioned avatar legends. Let's give my one to play too, by the way, but I missed the Kickstarter. Gotcha. But what's interesting is the system that powers that is called powered by the apocalypse. That's the same system that was influenced iron sworn. So when I talk okay. about iron sworn, it's basically the same idea as Avatar Legends. There's definitely their own spin on it, but mm -hmm. they're very similar systems. And it's a much a very rules light system, which I don't know if we want to talk about now or later. But well, well and, I wanted to and you also oh. have kind of like well, I'm sorry, just the main core of different working systems, and we can talk about this again later. Uh, but then you have so many IPs going into it that it's almost yes. in excess. Uh, you know, so yeah, just had to throw that in there. Um, no, I wanted to touch on something that you, you talked about a minute ago, Jake, where, um, I think that there's, I think that there's a value for both streamlined systems and for the, the crunchy rules. I yes. think that there is, there are players. Uh, when I was a teenager, I loved the crunchy rules. Like I love Shadowrun. I mentioned Shadowrun. Those rules are super crunchy. Like you yeah. have to figure out like your burst rate on your gun and where you hit the person in the body and blah, blah, blah. Right. Like, and so battle like a, what would be like a two minute battle takes six hours to, you know, role play. Right. Right. And I love that as a kid, as a kid, I love that aspect. And I think part of that coming to GP is, I think you mentioned this GP or was it Jake where, you know, we grew up learning strategy from games. Right. 
And so, but now as an adult, I have a lot of value on my time, right? And so right. I, I, I bought. I'm po- hey, we're pointing again. Bingo again. I <laughs> no, bought no, no, no. You uh, only get the one spot. Yeah, you only get the one spot, man. You, what do you try to pull here? No scams. I bought the the anniversary edition of of uh, of Shadowrun, mm-hmm. and I got a group together. I think Brother of Sin was there. He can probably mention this in uh, in chat. But we tried it out, and we were like, "Oh my." God, how long does this, how long does a round last? Like, yeah. you know, we were 20 minutes around, right? Like, you know, and so, but there are people that love those crunchy rules and there are systems that still exist. I have one right behind me of GURPS. GURPS is a very crunchy system. It's been around for 30 plus years, right? And it's so the old one, yeah, it is. And the great thing about GURPS is you can, it's generic universal role-playing system, right? So if you want to do vampires, if you want to do fantasy, if you want to do spacefaring, if you want to do steep or, uh, you know, water, you know, battles, et cetera, it, it works, but it's also very, very, very crunchy. And so, um, I think there's a lot of value in those and those systems still exist. And those systems are not tied to the, to the OGL. So by all means, if, if people are listening and want those crunchy rules, Shadowrun, GURPS, uh, I'm sure. Oh, well, Pathfinder, but that's a D20. But, um, you know, those are the, the string those. theory of the tabletop uh, RPG type games. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. But the problem that I run into is I look at systems and this is I'm segueing here for you, Jake. I look at systems and they're not streamlined, right? Like D20 right. fifth edition, right? So you've been talking to us about Iron Sworn. I, I picked up the rules. I haven't been able to read them much other than I saw some of the initial dice roll dice rolling stuff. And it, it intrigued me. It was really cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So Ironsworn's an indie RPG. I think his name is Sean Tompkin. I believe his name is. And although indie, but, and it was small, but it's kind of blown up over the last few months. And this would have been one of my game of the year picks, honestly, <laughs> but then you guys are like, oh, don't do tabletop. <laughs> Game of the year you 2023. Get, you got Circus Charlie. I don't, I don't remember what my game of the year was, but it would have been uh, realistically on paper. It would have Bugsy been Iron 3D. Sworn. Right, that's Iron the Sworn. one. Yeah. Because <laughs> then, so here's the thing with Iron Sworn is, is it's it's almost like Skyrim meets tabletop, and that is gritty. It's brutal. It can be very difficult, but it's very light on mechanics. The core of it really is two d10 and a d6. You roll a d6, add a stat, and it's usually plus one to three. And then you compare it to 2d10. If you beat one d10, you get a partial hit. Beat two, it's a full hit. Beat none of them, and it's a fail. And usually when you fail, you have to call, do something called pay the price. And then you usually take damage and whatnot. But it's very limited in, in, in light and rules. But it, what they call moves, right? Whether it's whether it's engaging in combat, they call it enter the fray, or trying to secure an advantage, or and whatnot. But it's very light in the terms of moves. But the mechanics, the resolve, the moves is so easy and so easy to do. You can you can use the material from the book and roll on tables, or you can just make it up as you go ad hoc on the fly. The reason that drew me, what drew me to Ironsworn though, is that it's a role playing game that can be done in groups. You can have a DM, but it's really meant for either solo play or co op play with no DM, just two to three friends doing it together, and you're kind of collaboratively telling a story, a narrative, using the very light mechanics are in the game, and it's just. I, I invite everybody who's listening or watching, go to Drive Through RPG. Uh, Iron Sworn is free. 
PDF. Yeah. You can download for free. There's you can get a hardcover book if you want. There's add-ons for it that cost money, but the base rules are free. It is worth sitting down, reading that book. It's not very long. And then trying to play a game just for yourself. And I can play, and I I do play. I play at least twice a week. Sometimes 25 minutes, 30 minutes. Sometimes I'll play for an hour and a half. It's light enough that I can sit down with a deck of cards I use for dice rolling. And I use a, an app called Iron Journal. It's like a web browser thing. I can run a campaign on my own or with my daughters and have fun in 30 minutes or do longer. And it's amazing to me. And it's just so much, so much flavor in the world building. Like there's something called truths, right? Like you're basically playing equivalent to a Viking and you're fleeing your land into this new cold frozen wasteland or whatever you want to call it. You can theme it to whatever you want. But the reasons you're fleeing that land, the reasons that you move to this new, this new undiscovered country, you know, how your people live, the communities, the lore, you know, how things are done with religion and magic and all these different facets are told in the beginning of the story by rolling on these random tables that generate the, the mm -hmm. truths. And you use those to kind of just tie things together. And again, it, it leans heavily into your bullshit ability, right? The ability to tear a story and weave a story, a tale on the fly is so strong with this game. And that's why I love D&D. It was always the narrative, the storytelling. Yeah. Yes, there's combat. It's not like D&D, and that's okay. I like D&D combat too. I like I like Battletech and tactical stuff. But I like what Ironsworn does. It's a different kind of tabletop role-playing game where you tell a story that feels great. And it, it's just such a great experience. You like battle tech, huh? Talk about crunchy rules. Yeah. Oh, hey, trust me, I know. Did you, did you generate hit? Did you generate heat on that uh, shot? Tell me where where did you generate heat? Do you have enough heat yes. sinks on your mech? How many knuckles <laughs> contacted the cheek? Yes, it is very love crunchy. Tech. I but I'm I looking forward to too. Avatar GP because you got to tell me when you play Avatar because it's using similar system to Iron Sworn. I mean, it's very yeah. different. But I love Avatar's IP, and if it's the same narrative storytelling that's in Iron Sworn, I gotta buy that game because I love Iron yeah, Sworn. I'll keep you up to date. I might send you Marco Polo tonight with some of the stuff from the unboxing because honestly, everything yeah. looks very crisp and the smell is there, and I, I just mm -hmm. everything is cool. Um, yeah, as we play more or you know start to play and get into it, I'll let you know. But I have no doubt it's gonna be great, and it is not just. I mean, it's the whole world from the Avatar, so it's all the stuff with Aang, but then there's also all the the chorus stuff. So I'm. Yeah, yep. beside myself with excitement. It's going to be great. So Ironsworn, the guy that created Ironsworn, created another one that's space-based. Uh, uh, it's it's kind of... You, how did you describe it? It's it's No Man's Sky meets what? Yeah, Firefly or Star yeah. Wars. It can be really themed to whatever you want that's space-based. Like, it's very powerful in that regard. Yeah. That one I'm really interested in, and I know I can get the rules for free right now, but I love yeah. books. I love the collecting of books, and they haven't yeah. produced their book their book run yet. So Yeah, I kickstarted um, the digital version of it, so I have the digital mm -hmm. copy, but I think the physical stuff's going up just now uh oh we lost yeah. gp we lost gp things are gonna look weird on the podcast that's okay if you're listening in audio you're fine oh there's gp welcome back that was weird everybody froze up and disappeared i'm so sorry was that me or was that that was you uh, jake <laughs> and i were still talking so oh, so sorry about i know that. we're talking a lot gp but geez no okay. no my computer didn't yawn i don't know what happened i'm so sorry <laughs> but i promise i didn't go anywhere let's keep so. going all right. Well, um, what what else do we want to talk about about uh, tabletop RPGs, or do we want to make a transition at I think, this point? Let me just say that you know, 
the D&D OGL stuff, I know that honestly, it's probably a minority of the community of, who play Dungeons and Dragons who probably are upset about this. But but for those who are really upset about what Wizards is doing, you don't have to play just D&D. There are so many games. Like Drive Through yeah. RPG has hundreds of fantastic solid titles that are all worth a look. Many of them are free, yeah. some of them are cheap, you know, and there's there's like from Numenaria to GURPS to Ironsworn, there's so many. If you well, are new, upset with Wizards, try a different game. Yeah. Numenaria actually kind of stemmed out of um uh Planescape Torment, I think. If well, I remember third right. edition which was a, uh which was a D&D. Author, one of the authors was Monty Cook. So he worked mm-hmm. at Wizards and he he helped make third, third edition. When he left Wizards, he wanted to start up a new RPG system and he he did uh Numenaria system. I can think he calls it the Cypher system. And it's also a different take on role playing. It's great too, in a different yeah. way, but uh, it's good. Nice, yeah. And if you haven't gotten into role playing games, there's a lot out there. Yeah, it can be overwhelming. Um, as with starting any new role playing game, so do some research. Talk to people in your orbit. It's very interesting. I think the community of people who are into this sort of thing because, um. God, how would I, I want to compare this? If I was going to make an analogy, you know, the, the people who are like openly out there about it, like, hey, check this out. This is a part of my life. They're going to be a little too intense and maybe a little too extreme. But if you put yeah. your feelers out there uh, and there's people who are like, oh, yeah, it's a nerdy thing I do. I'm into it. That might be, you know, that's your that's your yeah. crowd. That's your group. That's kind of how I am. Um, but yeah, it can be overwhelming. My, one thing I love about my wife, and I got to show some love to a couple different people real quick. First and foremost is my wife. She is completely addicted to supporting these Kickstarters and the crowdfunding. And mm-hmm. so we are constantly getting in new games. Um, like I said, with Avatar today, <clears throat> a couple months back, we got uh, Eternal Darkness 2. If anybody's familiar with the Eternal Darkness mm-hmm. games, uh, you know, Gloomhaven, which we'll talk about, and Frosthaven, and yeah. all these things, uh, you know. Um, and it, you had mentioned all the stuff about Hasbro. We never heard back from Thermos which is okay. So if Hasbro maybe wants to get in on sponsoring, just don't listen to the first half of the, of the episode tonight. Yeah. But Hasbro <laughs> is, is, is responsible for so much of the stuff from my childhood. On this side of the room, I have Hero Quest and all of these other kind of board yeah. games. And over here, it's just a wall of Transformers. So, right, GP pointing to his walls. Uh, yeah, but I'm pointing at Starscream right there. Starscream. <laughs> oh, yes, you got Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, anyway, all that just to say, Whatever you're into, you'll find probably an RPG title for it that you can yeah, get involved yeah. in. Like yeah. you mentioned, it kind of like is a gateway drug, right? A gateway drug into D&D is often board games. Board games can often get people into role-playing games. So it's definitely yeah. an influence for people who play board games and crossing over to, to role-playing games. Right. In fact, my... Um, okay, well, because I, I didn't really talk about my history. I'm going to give it real quick, if I may. Yes. Uh, as a child, yeah. I had cousins and family who owned HeroQuest. And before I was really, I was still learning how to read, you know, just kind of starting to play Final Fantasy games and getting into all of that. Uh, but they had Hero Quest and introduced me to that. And um, playing, you know, as the the wizard typically is, you know, the last one to get picked in our group. So I got to be the wizard. And that was just, I loved it. And then forgot about it as life went on. I was one of those guys who grew up nerdy and then had to take some time off to do school and stuff. And then got back in touch with my nerd uh, nerd roots anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and so I got into tabletop RPGs uh, with actually another wizard property called Castles and Crusades, if you're familiar at all. Um, A friend of my wife's, Casey Christofferson, actually uh, writes for CNC. 
uh, which oh, is very cool. He's cool. published several books and things out there. So uh, we went over to his house one night and he just had this entire elaborate setup. And, you know, we were creating characters and I was this monk and just all this stuff, uh, which I used Jong from Final Fantasy for as kind of the template. And I just fell in love right there. And then, you know, um, my wife, we both nerded out on that and that kind of got the ball rolling. And now we have, you know, a bit of a collection and, and really a fondness and obsession with, with playing these games. Nice. Yeah, so that's kind of my history. Uh, one last thing when we're talking tabletop RPGs, um, it sounds like, you know, there's there's a lot of history within this, this you know, tri- triumvirate here. Um, yeah. And, you know, jump in our Discord if you want to get suggestions or if you say, hey, have you tried this out or I'm thinking about this system? You know, we have a lot of history. We also have a lot of, um, you know, knowledge of what works and what's what's what's, you know, what doesn't work. So happy to talk with you about it. Yeah, yeah I, you know, if Marvel Snap and Tunic get their own corner of our Discord, maybe we should have a tabletop corner. I would love to be able to, you know, connect with, you know, people in chat and listeners about giving suggestions, receiving suggestions, or, yeah. you know, any of that kind of stuff. I love that idea. So you're saying I should cut up Tunic and make it the Marvel Snap tabletop zone? No, hell that. no. No, I think uh, we don't have to cut anything out Marvel Snap. Done and I think done. We could definitely... You know, and what I would love to do is I would love to try to category, not category, catalog each of the different titles. So I've got a really good organizational system. Uh, And one of the things I love about, well, Castles and Crusades, Dungeons and Dragons, a lot of them have comic book character style names, you know, Mm. double consonants, whatever, double vowels. So at the bottom of my list here, I've got uh, Arcane. What is that one? Arcane at Aardvarks, which is a bit of a deep cut, C&C, D&D. And then uh, all the way up there, you know, ZZ top. So, yeah. You got to turn your camera so we can get bingo. I can't. I just wanted to make the ZZ top joke. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. By the way, uh, Sinstress brings up, if you've played Firefly, Firefly, the board game, you understand this. Where you have so much fun, you, you forget to win the game. You're just happy to be a part of it. Yeah. yeah, like I, I like the counter game. I like the counter that you've added. Is this yeah, how I'm many times I've played? But you guys keep bringing back references, so I'm like, all right, I'll click it back up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, yes, I, I think we. Yeah, I think this is a good transition into board games. Um, Let's do it. Yeah. The other tabletop uh, gaming, right? So, um, so we when we originally, sorry, GP, do you want to? roll this or do you want me to no i love what you're doing keep going with it when we originally started talking about this we were talking about let's talk about D and let's talk about hero quest mm-hmm. now hero quest is a game from the late 80s or early 90s um it really is a very simplified board game version of dungeons and dragons right i mean it's you have basically some pre-built characters the rules are fairly short. You know, you basically have a, a guide that shows you how to set up the board and you have to basically work your way through to complete a, a quest, right? Some, is this the game some, where the board has walls and plastic walls you put down into a, into a board? They're, to slot them in? they're cardboard. No, it's not. It's it's a flat board with cardboard right. cutouts that you, you put on little okay. stands. Yeah. I have played this as a kid, but it's so long ago. Yeah. It Part of the brilliant... For me, and again, this is the nostalgia of it, but it is so stripped down compared to some of the stuff that is out there now 
that mm-hmm. it is brilliant. It is the the skeleton, the bones of what you want a tabletop game to be. But you've got your four main job classes. Now, there are some expansions that introduce new job classes. But for the most part, if they never change the core four, I would be happy. You've got brute. Right. You've got smart guys. You've got a mixture. And then just all magic, no muscle. Yeah. And do it however you want. If you don't have four people to play it, the game still recommends that you use all four players. And uh, yeah. it's, it's the exact same. It's the exact right way to do it. I think the original thing comes with, I think, 12 to 15 quests. Um, and then they even include extra math and encourage you to design your own quests and do the stuff. And then you search for, you know, money, search for traps, take down everything, and then buy shit at the end. It's brilliant. Yeah. It's everything it should yeah. be. Not a lot of frills. Yeah but solid. So GP and I have a history with this game. Uh, like I'm, I'm looking over here. We're bringing up the counter again over here off screen. It, uh, and GP knows this is my original, like 1990 edition of hero quest. <laughs> I think I've told you that before. And you've been kind of jealous that I've had heroes, <laughs> your hero. Quest, you know, right? I, I, I try to rechannel it from jealousy to just being happy for you. <laughs> well a couple years ago hasbro hasbro has their crowdsourcing um division and i can't remember what they call it um are we allowed to show the games can i pull the games up yeah yeah wait hold on so hasbro's crowdsources games yes it's it's um hang on billion dollar company hasbro does like a kickstarter (laughs) well it's it's (laughs) it's you're absolutely good box Oh, yeah. well, I thank you. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the... And then this is what the, the name. Christmas expansion I got from Santa, which is wonderful. See, I didn't know it had expansions. I thought it was just like a single game in the 80s. I didn't realize it had a life after that. Well, I, I don't know how many expansions there were from the original release. I don't know. I don't know if like that one or some of the other ones are new to... The kind of revitalized hero quest, but they exist and I'm thrilled I'm here for it. Yes, there's uh, an awesome NES game, says Hasbro uh, Pulse. Schaefer. Hasbro there's Pulse. Name. Hasbro, and then yeah. Kyle Schaefer says, Yeah, they made a hero quest NES game of it too, which is wild to me. Hero, and my, my brother has an arcade game. game that has it on there, and it's actually really, really fun. Really? If you don't mind taking really? the time to, I mean, the controls aren't responsive, so you can hit down, wait a second and a half, then you'll see it. But anyway, it takes a while to get through, but it is fun. And I think it's so, actually uh, the same quests that were from the original board game, like the same storylines and, and yeah. Maps. So. so back when they did this Hasbro Pulse, we'll say instead of Kickstarter, we'll say they did this Pulse. When they did this Pulse, I uh, I, I told GP about it, and then I went and got the the Uber. Like I was like all in. I was like, give me all the expansions, everything. And then, uh, you know, it took a, I don't remember how long it took for them to, to ship that to me. Um, I don't remember. It was probably, it was probably almost a year, I think, from when I, when I backed it to when it arrived. That's pretty standard. And, yeah. Yeah. But then the problem is, <laughs> is the pandemic came along mm-hmm. <laughs> and we stopped letting people into our house. Right. Yeah. And and so um, mine are actually still sealed in the, um, the the cellophane. So, but again, you don't need four people to play it. You can just play as all four characters. And, and no, you just Tetris that, that, you just that, Tetris that box. Yeah, play by yourself. 
I thought that there was a, a game master role. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, if if you're honest enough with yourself, you can you can do both. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. <laughs> oh, you know what? Now that I have it, if ever you're alone and you don't want anybody to come over, I will I will be Zargon for you. It'll be great. <laughs> awesome. I'll DM the fuck out of this for you. All right. ZM. So HeroQuest uh, has a DM? I thought it no, was No. Like a... It's okay, go ahead. Wait, wait. This is actually a Hasbro property, so it may have a DM. Well, it's yeah. It's 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 a it's a plot point, but it's somebody who sets up the maps and knows where the characters go and how they're going to attack and okay. how they're going to, you know, Got they run the okay. game. It's it's my, all the characters against Okay. My uh my my calling out D- DM is a protected term. It's owned by Oh, um, yeah, GM. But yeah, I get, I get it. GM. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, although that's owned by Hasbro, so they could probably call it a DM if they wanted to. And if they wanted yeah. to sponsor the channel, well, I mean, whatever. They already <laughs> have most of my money. Just don't <laughs> the, listen the to the Hasbro first half. Yeah. yeah, just ignore the first 40 minutes of this episode of uh, Hasbro, and you're you're good. We, we yeah. love your products. Through, and you uh, you don't re- off all the time. It's okay. <laughs> and just stick with OGL 1.08. We're good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have a Unicron that proves my loyalty to Hasbro. Okay, so they can go ahead and just eat it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, HeroQuest. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I only played a little bit of HeroQuest, but there's there's other fantasy board games I play. Like I played a little bit Descent in my board Mm -hmm. game group for a while. Um, I did buy the D and D board games to play with my kids. We started Mm -hmm. playing through some of that. But um, I want to talk about Gloomhaven because we're running the episode late. But I want to talk about Gloomhaven because I played the digital version for ten minutes, and I feel like I didn't give that game a fair shake because I've heard GP especially mentioned how great Gloomhaven was. I love it. But I was I heard that it was really bad for the setup time though, right? Yeah, if you can have a room in your house where you have a permanent table set up for it, uh <laughs> that really is the way to do it. Like um, other room. Than, other yeah, than chasing a game room, yes. What other okay. than chasing all of the pieces to change between missions, right? Like that's the I thing. I love that, that though. Me. Like I there's a, a tactileness to it that I just really adore. Um, And we have a lot of games that take a while to set up and tear down. I mean, legacy games, you know, um, Pandemic as well. Those are things that really, if you can, you need to leave it set up so that you're not constantly trying to remember things. Uh, Because there's enough to remember even with the game set up. But, I mean, if you don't mind the time sync and if you can appreciate doing that kind of thing, um, which, again, not to keep bringing up stuff like this, but as somebody who loves to, you know, collect, like transformers and little you know things that require fidgeting and movement setting up board games is really very cathartic and enjoyable and in its own weird ways then so i don't mind it so i uh i have to call out i you know on my on my steam replay they call it the replay or whatever i have i have over 100 hours this year in gloomhaven the digital edition right it's been 13 days (laughs) <laughs> no i'm sorry i'm sorry the replay for 2020 stupid. yeah okay. um so but what's funny is is uh in the replay they troll gloomhaven because it says you know time played like 33 percent of your time and then it says the phrasing I, I don't remember the exact phrasing but it's like this is slightly less than the time it would have taken to set up the board game <laughs> right yeah and you could have done two games or two quests of gloomhaven in the amount right. of time you spent playing and that's so it's on, fair it's a fair criticism on bouncing off let me ask you this so yeah. uh 
and and GP, you probably had the same experience. Your first, I don't know how many missions, three, five, six, whatever. That game is hard. That game Super is difficult. brutal. Punishing. You will get, One wrong move, you will get, you're done. Yeah, yeah. You will get just decimated until yeah. you start doing the legacy features, whereas, which is upgrading your characters, adding okay. cards to your deck, exchanging cards, coming up with combos based on the cards. And that's really where the joy comes into play. And yeah. then the game takes it away from you, too. Like, this is one of those things where, like, if you like um, uh, Darkest Dungeon, there's an aspect of your character's end. Like, yeah. you get really comfortable with the character. You're like, man, I'm nailing every single mission. And then the game's like, oh, and your character retired. Now go pick somebody else and start over. Yeah. Really? So it's not just death. They they yeah. retire. They retire. Uh -huh. So many games. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, no, no. Not so many games. Yeah. There are goals. And there are some okay. that will that will do it like that you can't really control. But there are some that you definitely can control when the retirement happens. So okay, yeah, yeah. and uh, it, yeah, no, I I do appreciate that, and it does kind of force you to do uh, deal with an uncomfortable aspect mm -hmm. of of letting go, which I you know mm -hmm. we're all nostalgic people can't do that. We all know what it's like to get to the end of uh, uh, an RPG game, you know, Final Fantasy, any number, and be like, I'm not ready yet. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not ready. Yeah. I don't want to let go. But I mean, there's always more to do. There's always new adventures. And even if you were to restart Gloomhaven right away after the first or second quest, you really are presented frequently with, you know, left path, right path. Do you want to mm -hmm. talk to this person or do what this person is saying? Do you trust this person or go against them? Do you want to give them the thing they sent you on a quest for or keep it for yourself? So, I mean, it's endlessly replayable. And I yeah. like that. And then if you're trying to, they're, they built in the ability to grind as well. If your character's just getting the crap beaten out of it, you can go back and play every single mission. You can go back and play the early easy missions to gain okay. the experience and to level up your character, right? And so, um, and so it's funny that it's, it's really almost like that aspect is taken from like the video game grind, right? Like mm -hmm, right. I found these areas that I can go farm experience from. Right. Yeah. So, and that's in the game. Well, and then there's a lot of hitchhiker mechanics too. You know, there's a deck of cards in between quests or on your way to the next yeah. location where you'll shuffle, you'll, you'll pull something and it's, Oh, you find this person tending to a broken wagon axle organ trail. Do you want mm -hmm. to help them or do you want to go on? And then you really do think, okay, again, hitchhiker rules. If I help them, they might shank me and steal something. But if I go past them, they might come back later and be like, oh, you didn't help me. Now I'm going to shank you and steal something. So you, you're going to get shanked, but it's, you know, now we're ready. <laughs> well, yeah, the term gloom. Di 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 dysentery. I mean, I'll take either yeah. one, I guess. Yeah. Really. The, yeah, the term gloom is appropriate for that game. So Yeah, there's not a lot of light in that world. Yeah. No, but it is a it is a grand game. Uh, uh, you know, Sinstress and I and some other friends tried to play the tabletop. W the problem that we have is, you know, we we played this at their house. We own the game, so it was always pulling it out fresh every single time. They have kids. We had kids that were you know younger at the time, and so you know, finding greater than two hours of time yeah. was hard, right? And so we yeah. bounced off of it there. Um, 
there apparently are organization systems that you can get to help you with that, you know, so that you can put the pieces in places where you can easily find them, et cetera. And um, yeah, there's record keeper apps and stuff like that. So you can tell it exactly where you're at in the game. But I personally love the, uh, the digital edition, um, brother sin and my two cousins played this for, well, apparently 33% of my steam playtime <laughs> over the year. So there's so, online, I guess, support for it as well. Then yes. Right? Uh, four okay. player up to four player co-op. It's okay. interesting though, because just like, uh, um, hero quest, you basically have to have four players. Right. It's just sometimes multiple people will play or a person will play multiple characters. Yeah. So when you're doing the co-op, you can do one, two, three player and somebody or multiple people are going to have multiple characters. You know? Got it. Okay. And it's, it's worth mentioning that there is a smaller, it's not a starter pack. It's, it's the game itself. Um, but you can find it at like target instead of having to order it and have it shipped and it weighs 80 pounds. But I think it's called Gloomhaven, like, jaws of the lion or something like that and essentially it's just the bare bones essentials for what you need to do these quests so it doesn't require all this the setup and all of that you could you know go from unboxing to playing in probably 10 minutes once you know how the game works so you know if 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 you don't like setting stuff up that would be the way to go but it is definitely worth uh worth a play and very cool mechanics uh like i I just started with, uh, I just started playing Midnight Suns, uh, Marvel Midnight Suns, where the battle is a combination of movement and, and cards, right? A deck yeah, of, a deck a of cards. Of yeah. And funny enough, that's how Gloomhaven works too. So it's very, it feels yeah. very tied in there, right? You have a deck of cards, um, you know, you expand, you, you, you play the cards. Some will, you know, get recycled when you shuffle. There's also this really brutal but necessary feature where every time your character has to rest you lose cards from your deck mm-hmm. and you can exhaust yourself in a mission by resting too much and, and have not having any cards to draw right yeah. so yeah like my impression of the game was yeah it, it felt like one wrong turn just just one wrong turn and that entire game is done right <laughs> at least with the digital copy you could spin it back up again but I couldn't imagine playing the physical game and doing one wrong turn and just losing it all. But the I mean, nice thing is, yeah. is you 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 tend to replay that mission, right? So it's right. already set up. Um, you know, you may just have to close doors and pull some, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But, okay. but find the um, starting positions. But you're right. Early game one wrong turn will absolutely tank you. As you progress, like. Toward the end of the game, I'm going to say I felt like I'd have five or six wrong turns, and I'd be okay. Right. But it gets now, slightly easier as you go. Yeah. yeah. Now, I can't tell you how many times my last turn was like, was was I couldn't draw cards the next turn, and we just beat the mission like at that point, right? Like, right. it feels very skin of your teeth, like, you know. Photo finish. Uh-huh. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Or, yeah. or you have characters that purposefully exhaust to save the others that can finish that mission right you know and yeah. so yeah. yeah meat shield is a definite job class if you want it to be <laughs> and i think yeah. there's definitely a turning point maybe we, we should say it this way where to the idea of you know one wrong turn but there there's definitely a point where your characters typically seem to develop enough where you feel comfortable going out on your own or saying you go check mm-hmm. this way i'll go check this mm-hmm. way as opposed to okay let's all stay in a very 
tight knit crew and go about the dungeon. So, you know, God, now yeah. I did, all I want to do now is play games. <laughs> yeah. That's all I want to do. Well, I want to meet you guys somewhere. If you want to come to Kansas or we can meet in Boston or Chicago, uh, <laughs> that would be, that'd be wonderful. You guys could pick up the digital edition of Gloomhaven and I would happily play it with you. I got 140 hours I got to put into Final Fantasy X. As soon as that is done, (laughs) yes, I will do that with you. Fair, fair. So, yeah, Blue Haven's great. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Did we want to talk about any other board games? I mean, I know that there's a plethora, right? Um, The the other one I played a lot of, and not so much lately, but um, Pathfinder. I mean, I wasn't a fan of the tabletop game but they released a card game a few years ago and i there's so many expansions so many it almost turned me off for a while that's why i stopped playing it but i have tons of expansions for pathfinder and i love to play that game love to play that game and it's a, a fun card game but the setup time was just brutal um but they released a digital version of that game obsidian did it and for the brief while they're updating it i played the heck out of pathfinder the card game digital version then they stopped cha- they stopped updating it and stopped supporting it, which is unfortunate because that was a fun game. And that's the only reason I know Pathfinder character classes and mm. and and mm-hmm. heroes. It's the card game was recreating the early adventures from Pathfinder, and I kind of really dig what Paizo did with their world. It's so much better than what Wizards was doing. Like D and D's fine, but I always found like Feyrun and and all their their campaign settings a little bit dry. Pathfinder's got a very imaginative set of creatures and character classes. I really like. I really dig the style of it. Um, I always want to try the, the tabletop game because of because of the card game, but it's a bit much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pathfinder has a lot of heart. Yeah. Um, heart. No, actually, we did want to talk about when we were when we were discussing this in Marco Polo's. We we at least I brought up and GP brought this up a little bit earlier, but the legacy games. Um, yeah, right. I did want to touch on legacy games a little bit, just because. It was another paradigm shift for me, right? Like, I grew up playing Monopoly, playing Risk, playing, you know, all of these games where, like, you you keep your pieces in good condition. You, you know, you watch somebody fold the money in Monopoly and you want to beat you them cringe. about the ears, right? Yeah, you yeah. know? Don't bend the cards. <laughs> yeah. Don't Who sleeps the cards here today? Like, yeah. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> And then, and then this this group of of game developers came up with this concept of legacy games, where you purposefully and do bad things, yeah, do yeah. bad things to your game, like uh, cards up, stickers oh, on the board, marker, yeah. writing on cards. Uh-huh. It's it's yeah. awful. <laughs> it's yeah. good you, you know what awful. you're asking me to do and you read yeah. the instructions so many times and the words aren't going to change you're like destroy card <laughs> yeah. f4 yeah rip this up is f4. the card is this the yeah. right thing because i cannot you yeah. know yeah yeah, yeah. And, and so the you know the first time that i had to destroy a card like it was that like you know like i i i had to come to terms like i think i was openly weeping probably mm-hmm. ugly crying and i ripped it yeah. up now well, the game that really comes to mind is pandemic legacy yeah. season one yeah. season two by the end of by the end of season one i remember there was a card that we were told to destroy and i was so pissed at this card that i lit it on fire mm. <laughs> like 
I was like, I am not ripping this up. This thing is burning, you know? So it's kind of interesting the, the shift in in play. We we passed the first time it told us to destroy a card. We each passed it around like I'm not doing it. You do it. And really, it <laughs> it was less about like the sanctity of not destroying your game as much as it was if we later on find out we need this card again, we need to have somebody we can blame, and I don't want it to be me. <laughs> Even though we all yep. knew what was going on, but yeah, yeah. The, the couple times I started that game up, I played. I tried playing with two different groups, and both people I was playing it with. Had the same reaction of you want to do what now and then everybody's googling how can i play pandemic <laughs> legacy without damaging the cards right. and they were trying to the find absorbent ways to get around it the yeah saran like wrap, saran wrap, wrap the, and writing yeah. on saran wrap and stuff because the, mm -hmm. the, the neat thing about this is though like i didn't finish season one pandemic so no spoilers for anybody okay. um but you're permanently marking cities on the board with stickers over time and the idea mm -hmm. is once you've beaten the campaign you can still play classic pandemic in a way on it but the board has now been customized by your playing group and that is right. rad that is really awesome to think that in my pandemic board montreal is a hellscape <laughs> every time we play right yeah. that santiago. Is, is got a lot of appeal yeah yeah ours so, ours is always something bad's happening go to santiago let it let them deal yeah. with it there yeah so can i give us can i give a spoiler about pandemic legacy season one i think it's season one can I give a spoiler? I'm going to give enough time that it's a spoiler warning if people want to not listen. All right. If you don't want spoilers for pandemic season one, skip ahead 30 seconds. Yeah. So there is a, there are boxes that you open. There are boxes that you open and there is a box at the end of the game that was still closed. And we were like, what the fuck is this? We open the box and the card inside literally says, what are you doing? This box was never supposed to be open in the game. Oh, <laughs> That's fantastic. Right. Uh, so that's it. I love it. Okay. That's Close. awesome. It, the legacy games are so 30. Yeah. End spoilers. Yeah. yeah. Legacy if you love Pandemic, great. you've got to play Pandemic Legacy. It's it's such yeah. a fantastic take on it. It's a great spin on it. I have looked at the other Legacy games. I think there's one for Risk. And I, I there is there's a Monopoly one. Oof. Or no. I, Monopoly Legacy? I don't know. There's a There was a, um, a co-op-ish game called Betrayal at House on the Hill. Right. The, the House first the Hill portion, games are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Which at, yeah. at the beginning, it's entirely co op. And then there's a point where um, uh, they call it the, the haunting or mm -hmm. the haunt. And one player is selected based on what happened in the game. So there's a huge replayability factor there. But they did a legacy version of that as well. Um, okay. Uh, since Russ and I are actually, I think, like halfway through it with our friends. And then the pandemic happened. Mm. I, yeah. I haven't tried the legacy version of that yet, but that, that'll be next on the list. We, my my little clique of people, we made it through season one and season two of Pandemic. We started season zero, mm -hmm. and uh, we, I, you know, I want to say we were halfway through that, and then things really amped up with the pandemic, and we, we stepped away. So I, I don't know where it's at, but I know I have copious notes in my phone about where we were and what was going on. So hopefully yeah, we can yeah. pick it up again sometime, but I don't know. We started season zero because um, when the pandemic happened, we knew uh, it's funny that we played pandemic during the pandemic. We actually made that joke. <laughs> it's a um, sick joke in the way. It is yeah. a sick joke. Um, <laughs> but we knew enough. We had played, you know, the original pandemic games so many times that like the yeah. rules to us were, were clear and easy. And so second nature. Yeah. Yeah. Second nature. So when the pandemic hit, our friends set up a board on their table, set up a camera above the board, 
everybody met via Zoom. You know, we all basically told them how to move our pieces, et cetera. And then we tried to play season zero and season zero turned so much of it on its head Mm -hmm. that we ended up going and buying season zero ourselves. And we would try to mimic their board and everything. And tracking that is a nightmare. Like, you know, so, so we, we never made it through season zero. I just remembered this. Our first time doing season one legacy. I'm sorry. This is just a fun little aside. Please. Uh, I think it was my wife's birthday and we had had an all-nighter or like a two-night, three-day all-nighter kind of thing. You know what I mean? We had Mm -hmm. the people over, Mm -hmm. we played, and then in between uh, months, you know, for those Mm -hmm. of you who know how it works, we would do two things. We would have a contest, whether it was eating hot things or decorating um, gingerbread houses, you know, to kind of break it up. But then Mm -hmm. we also had a, a confession closet where in between you would go in with the video camera that we had set up on the tripod and you would look in the thing and you would discuss the game. And then you would talk about like, it was a, a reality show confessional where you're sitting there talking about, Oh my stuff God, I want to see this. So if you got frustrated, was frustrated with another person playing the game, that was the time to vent. And then, you know, uh, I don't think we were all sat down to watch it together, but at, really that's the way to do it. If you can all agree to keep it confidential and never go back and watch it, that is how you should do it <laughs> to go and, and blow off steam. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. 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 I kind of forgot we did that. That's wonderful. Now, speaking of skin of your teeth games, like Gloomhaven and the missions in Gloomhaven, Pandemic is is as skin of the oh, teeth. every game. Yeah. yeah. You're, you feel lucky that you managed to get through a game. Yeah. It's brutal. And well, the and legacy you, games, if you lose, you yeah. still keep going. Right. <laughs> and you feel and like for screwed. <laughs> well, and that's, that's the great. thing is like yeah. when you lose, if you get a certain amount of losses or whatever – something horrible happens like it's yeah. like open box b7 and you're like yeah. it's like oh you're you, you know you were murdered in your sleep oh good i'm gonna go roll a new character thanks yeah. you know yeah yeah it's it's so, great yeah it's like it's a terrifying concept for somebody who loves board games and wants to preserve them and keep them pristine <laughs> but when you get in the spirit of it oh yeah it's it's a it's a really fantastic thing i really do like it yeah yeah, for sure. And yeah. before I forget to say this, though, Jake, not to take away from your Montreal setup that you have, but go back, look at the pandemic board, and look at Santiago. One way in, one way out. It is, yeah. the, for me, the most logical place to kind of, like, have a throwaway hellscape. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 If I'm gonna, <laughs> we love you, Santiago, but you're going down first. <laughs> but, yeah. but it also depends on how the cards get drawn, right? Like, yeah. Oh, always. Always. Yeah. But if ever there is a sacrificial lamb... That lamb is, there's, is Santiago. There's also the fact that Santiago is so hard to get to that when it yes. outbreaks, you're fucked. That well, was when it outbreaks, problem. it's South only America going one place every time. Sure, yeah. but then if you have a if you have a multiple outbreak, then it's just wrecked. A hellscape. Well, yeah, but by the time that it gets to that, anyways, it's you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Oh, guys, yeah. for real. I, I mean, I know uh, late last year you were able to make it up and, and meet some of the other guys in a star, but. Yeah. Whenever, whenever we all get together, yeah, we, we've got to have some games. We, we need to make it happen. Games. We need yeah, to make absolutely. it happen. Yeah, I think you're central to all of us, GP. Yeah. So this is where the out. No, not outbreak. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Pandemic happens. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Ground Let's zero, if you will. We'll, yeah. we'll we'll get a table at Norton's, and I'll just reserve it for the whole weekend. There you go. And that could be our our go. perma setup. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> Well, fantastic. Well, I love that we did board game episode. I hope we get to do another one 
you know, at some point this year, even if we did a couple per year just to talk about or even do deep dives into, you know, franchises yeah. or games, you know, where did they where did the expansion go wrong? At what point did the expansion start to suck? You know, there's no limit. So, you know, obviously our bread and butter and what we love to do uh, is right. video game discussions. But if we get enough people who like this or enough people in Discord in our new uh, tabletop game section of Discord uh, talking about it, maybe we can do a second or a third one at some time if you guys are yeah. up for it. And uh, two more things, um, Def Leppard and Tesla. <laughs> yeah, man, I got to keep bringing this this thing up. Okay, that's 14, <laughs> I think, now. <laughs> I'll keep, we have to keep score of this, GP. If you want to do this, and next time there's a three three-peat of uh, people on. Well, we're, we're talking, to, yeah, next time what I'll do, instead of just naming bands, I mm-hmm. will find uh, lyrics or song names from one band oh. and sprinkle those in. And then if we have viewers or listeners who guessed that and put the the correct answer in the Discord section? Maybe we can do a giveaway or something like that. No, that we have some sort of yeah. product or sponsor. Yeah, awesome. Well, check out our 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 website pressbeatocancel.com. Come join our Discord. You can find out the link there at pressbeatocancel.com. If you like this, like and subscribe. Tell your friends. W a r e w u l f f. Google it. Tell it you meant it. Tell you meant yeah. it. Yeah. I got something to promote this time, so we gotta make sure we do this that part. Uh, I guess I'll just do it now. You can find me sick Jake on on Twitter sometimes, I guess, but also check out my YouTube S I C J A K E. I'm slowly working my way through Battletoads. The Sisyphean episode was the other week, and I am going through with it. I am going to be freaking Battletoads, warpless, continuous, and I record those runs on YouTube. Check it out if you want. Don't say slowly though. You're already. I mean, you've already beaten the ice level. Okay. Yeah, but uh, off stream, so it didn't happen. So I'm banging my head against the stupid spiky urchin balls. So <laughs> fuck every ice fourth level. Fourth episode will be up tomorrow morning. I have to play after this episode of the podcast. So yeah, I'm, I'm, on, I'm going to do it. 13 more weeks. 13, 13 more weeks, weeks till April. <laughs> 13 <laughs> more months at least. Hmm. I'm going to be hitting that wheel of pain at this rate, but we'll see. But yeah, check me out on YouTube. Awesome. Well, I'm Sinistar77. Uh, I am committing, I am committing to doing my, um, wheel of pain and my playthrough of my Sisyphean game on Twitch. I am committing to that. I don't know exactly when it'll happen. Uh, we are filming this. We're doing this on the 13th of January. I have Monday off, which is a few days from now. I may try to do two hours of the Ness version of Dragon's Lair. I've spun it up. I can't beat the first scene. I think it's going to be two hours of that. And that that's it. suitable punishment on the Wheel of Pain. I think that's yep. that's that's as intended. That game is trash. Yep. Uh, and, and I'm I'm Guy Prime. You can basically just find me here at uh, Press B to cancel. But guys, I got to tell you, um, for as quickly as I thought I was going to be done with Sonic Two because of how far I had made it, I am actually struggling with the uh, the Air Fortress thing, which I okay. think is is at the very end so it'll take a few more tries but we'll get there and then start up final fantasy 10 for the penance run uh which i'm pumped about but uh, anyway more on that as the situation develops <laughs> but guys <Pumped>. th- all right <laughs> yes thank you again for joining me tonight thank you for being as passionate about uh board games as i am and letting me nerd out it was great to hear you guys nerd out about it too and i look forward to uh continuing this discussion again in the future absolutely and everybody, thank you, of course, for watching. For watching? No, for watching and for listening. Uh, we love you all. We'll look forward to hearing from you in Discord. 
Until next time, this has been Press B to Cancel. Thanks, guys. Robot voice? <laughs> Wolf's not got, here. Wolf's not I here. Can't do it. We, we ah! Yeah, goat scream. <laughs> Good enough. <laughs>guess so that's that's the gotta have the go-to can do attitude for 2023 kermit the frog hi ho kermit the frog here kermit the frog here all the impressions i can't do any of this shit you you know uh you know morrissey morrissey sounds like kermit the frog right there's a club if you'd like to go (laughs) you could meet somebody who really loves you the rainbow connection <laughs> the rainbow connection <laughs> girlfriend in a coma i know i know it's serious youtube you're welcome this is the kind of content you could be having if we even had a patreon we look you can't again. curse now in the first 15 seconds so i figured i'd sing <laughs>